and welcome to Unashamed Smut Lovers Podcast, where we just want to talk to you about smut. I'm Courtney. And I'm Kelsey. All right. And it is our bi-weekly book review this week. Yes. And as always, these are just our opinions. If we like something that you don't or vice versa, it's not that deep. It's going to be okay. We'll all make it through it. Okay. Courtney, do you want to start with your currently reading? Okay, yes, I can do my currently reading. So I am currently reading Rejected. It's a part of the Make Game series. It's book two by Meg Ann and Kay Lorraine. Uh, so this one starts with um, the female main character. Her name is Sunday, and she is a wolf shifter, but she can't shift. So um, she was supposed to lead like a really uh, big, powerful pack one day with her mate. And she was like supposed to join these two, uh, you know, packs together. But she had to reject him because she couldn't let anyone find out that she couldn't shift outside of like her family or whatever. So uh, fast forward a couple of years and she ends up getting sent to this academy as they tell her that, like, you know, she needs to find her wolf. And so her rejected mate is there. She ends up meeting a vampire. And there are two others. It's a reverse harem read. It is so good. One of them is a vampire who is, like, her professor. And there's some, uh, you know, some punishment sessions going on. And I love Sunday because she's kind of like a take-no-shit, you know, kind of girl. She makes best friends with a witch and... There's just, there's a lot going on, and I, I'm here for it. Nice. It sounds really good. Okay, so I'm currently reading Hot Mess by Misha Horn. It's about, it's a male male, and the first male character, um, he decides that, like, the next step in being an adult is to buy a house, and he doesn't really have any experience with homeowning and all the things that go along with that so like your vents being closed or you know things like that how to fix a sink or whatever and uh he meets his neighbor and his neighbor is like super hot and he is always outside like washing his car mowing his lawn like caring for his house you know like just a really adulty adult and their mail gets kind of mixed up. So something that was supposed to go to the neighbor ends up coming to the first male character. And it's a catalog for panties, like male panties. And he's always had like this secret kink um, for panties and discipline and things like that. So one day something breaks and he goes over to his neighbor and he's like hey i need help fixing my sink and he comes over and he finds the catalog that was supposed to be his and there's actually a picture of him in it he modeled for one of the shoots and um so it kind of like opens up this dialogue and then more but Here's the thing. I was expecting like a cutesy, like crushing on the neighbor, asking for help and like blah, blah, blah thing. And I mean, I guess it is, but it doesn't feel that way when you're reading it. Like 
the first part of the book just feels awkward. <laughs> like the first main male character is just like he's awkward and he's got like a lot of panic attacks and stuff like that. I don't know if they maybe they're not supposed to be panic attacks. They feel like panic attacks to me reading it. <laughs> it gave me anxiety. And so I don't know. I just feel like the flow is not really what I was expecting it to be when I started it. But the further I get into the book, like the more I'm liking it, like the cuter it's getting. But the first part of the book was like rough for me to get through because it just was, I was expecting like a real cutesy book. And like it is, but it's also like really awkward in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, you'd think it'd be kind of cutesy, especially, you know, with the whole neighbor trove. That's always a cute one, usually. Right. That's why I picked it up because I was like, oh, like. I just finished this big long series like it's I, I need kind of like a palette cleanser you know and then I started this one and I was like this doesn't feel like a palette cleanser it just feels weird but the the further I get into it like the better it is getting and the more I am liking it and I, once it gets into it a little bit the conversations are better they flow better like I don't know it feels better now that I'm like more than halfway through it but the beginning was kind of rough for me as a reader I think other people would really like it um but I think like personally what I was looking for just doesn't jive with this author's writing style like there's nothing wrong with the writing style it just wasn't what I was hoping for I guess when I started reading it (laughs) Gotcha. Well, well, let me know how uh, how you end up liking it at the end. I mean, so I mean, I like it now, but at the beginning, I was like, "Oof, I don't know. This isn't what I thought it was." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, my uh, first book on the list is "Out of the Ashes." It's a part of the game series by Cara D. and um. I think that this one was my favorite. There were parts of it that I didn't like. I'm not a fan of Franklin. So Cara D, uh, in her blurbs, like, it'll tell you who the, like, couple or, um, you know, triad or poly family, whatever, who, who's going to be in the book. And uh, so I was expecting this one to be a thruple or a, a triad, whatever. Um, three men. It, except it's not really, like, so... Tate and Kingsley were together and they were um, monogamous in their like relationship, but they were open with their kink life. So uh, I know Kelsey has talked about the game series before. And so this is part of that. And there's an underlying storyline, I guess, kind of beneath all of the books because you like you see all of the people interact with each other and stuff. So I would, you know, I would say read them in order. But so anyway, Tate and Kingsley, like I said, they're uh, monogamous together, but they're open in their uh, kink lifestyle and dynamic because uh, they have a, I think it's owner slave or dominant slave, like 20, almost a 24 seven lifestyle. This book doesn't have really any daddy in there. However, in the very beginning of this book, Tate and Kingsley are breaking up because Kingsley uh, goes through Tate's phone and sees that he's kind of getting like emotionally close to one of the dads of Tate's students who's, you know, having like a rough time with their marriage. And he gets really defensive and he's like, you cheated on me. He was like, it's one thing when we're doing it with communication and, and they don't have a lot of communication. 
in their dynamic. They started the relationship, I think it was like six or seven years before, and they started it kind of with uh, the fact that they were open, but then they ended up becoming monogamous just over time in their like actual real life relationship. And it was just their kink that stayed open. And neither of them were really happy with it, but they kind of, it, they just never talked about it again. And that's a big thing, especially um, in these books and in the you know BDSM community, it's you have to communicate, 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 open communication at all times. So they ended up, they end up breaking up, Tate moves out. Uh, it lasts, I wanna say a few months. This book kind of uh, doesn't have the best like timeline, but I wanna say it's uh, a few months that they're broken up. They're both miserable without each other. Tate ends up kind of um, going to Franklin, which was the dad he was texting that he was getting close to emotionally. Uh, Franklin has now divorced his wife. He has a daughter with special needs that Tate is like uh, in love with. Um, and then he kind of lets it slip to Franklin that uh, the text messages and like, you know, that Kingsley thinks that he cheated even though he didn't. And so Franklin goes and he tries to confront Kingsley and let them him know like, hey, Tate's miserable without you. And, you know, that nothing happened between us. I was married to a woman at the time. I just got out of that relationship and decided to come out as gay. You know, nothing happened. But then he meets Kingsley and Kingsley has like those strong Dom vibes. And uh, Franklin is like, a, he's submissive to the core. And um, so Kingsley is kind of in his like anger and grief over the relationship ending he kind of seduces franklin a little bit and then not too long after this happens tate and kingsley kind of come together and they decide to try again there are you know some events and so they just you know they're like we're in love with each other let's just fig we have to figure this out like we're both so miserable without each other and kingsley has the idea to kind of bring franklin in because Franklin's not looking for like a relationship again. He just got out of a very long one that was a very unhappy one. And here's where I don't like it because Franklin is brought in basically to like spice up their sex life, but like also to play on that jealousy aspect because both of them are very jealous of others coming into their, you know, dynamic. And I didn't like it. I wasn't a fan of Franklin really at all because he's very unapologetic about the fact that like he wanted Kingsley and he was unapologetic about the fact that he got Kingsley for a night or whatever. Like, and I, I just wasn't a fan. I really loved Tate and Kingsley. I really loved this story. I absolutely um, am not unhappy with it. There was just a few things where I was like, you guys need to just talk to each other about this. But it was cute. And so I had talked about the rest of the series in a previous episode, but how did you like the rest of the books since now that you've read them? Okay. Uh, I loved all of them. I think I, I had one that wasn't like my favorite. I loved it towards the end, but it wasn't my favorite. I'm not a huge sadism fan. And you know what I think it is? It's uh, some of the, um, like the interrogation kink and stuff like that, that was in book three, I think it was breathless. I, yeah. that's what I wasn't a fan of. It was just their oh, and I because was. Kingsley, um, with adult parts, there was quite a bit of sadism going on too. And in this one, there was definitely a lot of sadism because there was no real daddy aspect in this one. 
And I loved it. it I think it, I want to say it's probably my favorite one, but it's just, I think it was just the, um, the way it was kind of written with the twins, the, uh, some of the kinks that they were into, I think were just uh, not my favorite. I really liked all of the books though. I can't complain about really any of them. See, and that one was my favorite. I just thought it was so hot. And like the, the way that this author writes kink is so impressive to me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what she writes. I'm into it. Like, I just think she's a really great author. And so Breathless, I think, was my favorite. And I'm not big on, like, the sadism either. But I just thought the interrogation kink was so hot. Like, I loved it. There's a little I bit of interrogation the- kink in this one. Uh, but not for the main two main male characters. Just just for the last one. Um, and I thought I kind of liked it just because I felt like it was uh, vindicating for me. Because I was petty like that. but I think in breathless, like I saw the bigger picture of like why they were doing it, you know, and it's because Shay needed it. That was his name, right? Yeah. It was Shay. Yeah. It's because he needed it. And like, I I just need you to read the last two books because there's not really a cliffhanger, like for the couple at the end of the latest book, but there's like kind of a, a little bit of a, like oh my gosh moment and I'm like I need you I need to talk about it with you and I know you haven't read them I know I'm such a slacker I'm the one that introduced you to this series and I haven't even finished it boo on me (laughs) all right what's your next one (laughs) okay so my next one is one that you introduced me to um it's boyfriend goals by Riley Hart uh Courtney's already gone over it so I'll just give like a quick a quick (laughs) quick recap um so the one of the main male characters is neurodivergent. He's on the autism spectrum. And after he finds out that he had a grandma that he didn't know about and she passed away, um, he finds out that she left him a bookstore and it's attached to a tattoo uh, shop. And the guy who runs the tattoo shop is staying in the apartment above the bookstore. Or I guess it'd be above both, probably. But so when the main male character who finds out about his grandma and whatever comes to the island, they immediately form a friendship. And Gideon is the one that's in the tattoo shop. He's the second main male character, I believe. I don't know. It's been like two weeks since I read this. Yeah. But um, so he just rolls with the punches like everything the other main character says he just rolls with it and they yeah they form a friendship and then it eventually turns into more it does uh they do end up moving in together in the same apartment and so it kind of becomes like a roommates to lovers deal it was super cute i really liked it i'm really happy that courtney recommended it it was it was good i love I'm that you loved it i'm happy it was yeah, so it, cute it's great yeah. Like it's pretty low angst, but like there's enough issues that I was kept interested, you know? Yeah. I liked it a lot. It was For good. Sure. All right. So my next one is Beautiful Monster by Sarah Kate. It's um it's an age gap romance. It's in the Beautiful series. So Alexander Caldwell, I think he's in his like late 30s. He ends up moving into a house. He's like this uh trust fund playboy 
socialite guy. Uh, he had a ton of businesses like open and stuff like that. And I think he's like one of the richest men in the town. And so he had a falling out with his business partner and um, he decided to kind of like settle. He decided to buy a house and behind him are three neighbors. And so it's a mom and her two daughters and Sunny, the female main character, she's the youngest. She's only 19. And her mom is awful. Like she's, she's an alcoholic. Her dad skipped out, I think, like a year or two prayer with his 22-year-old secretary. And she just, her mom has become this like raging alcoholic who's abusive, both physically and mentally and emotionally. And like, she's always known growing up that like she was a mistake in her mom's eyes, you know, but she, you know, she stays, she dropped out of college after her dad left, you know, to like stick around. And uh, she is an artist who, or she dropped out of art school, sorry, not college, but so she dropped out of art school and she kind of stuck around and her mom like tries to kind of, you know, act like she's more her sister's age. And so her older sister is also very, uh, she's a very spirited woman. Um, not bad. I liked the sister and she does have her own book. It's the second book in the series. I haven't read it yet, but uh, I want to see how she kind of turns her life around because like she kind of starts drinking a bunch and she protects her sister, but also just, you know, there's not a lot of sticking up for her as far as it goes. And so uh, Alex meets Sunny and he's like, oh my God, like I cannot be attracted to a child, you know, like she's way too young, stuff like that. But he sees her painting and he offers to pay her like a ridiculous amount of money to paint a mural on his pool house wall. And so he, the attraction starts and he keeps pulling away. Like he'll get close to her and then he'll pull away and get close. And so she starts getting frustrated and he eventually, um, there's a situation at Sunny's house that uh, turns violent. And so she goes to his house and he ends up moving her in with him, you know, until she finishes the mural and gets the money so she can get her own apartment, whatever. So uh, the attraction simmers and simmers until finally it's an all out. It just explodes one night. And they kind of decide to be together. However, he does not want to hold her back. And so, like, there's an opportunity that she's, like, not willing to take because she doesn't really necessarily trust. Like, he's straight up told her. He was like, I'm a playboy. He's like, I've never been faithful. I've never even really been in relationships. If I wasn't one, I cheated. Or they cheated. And so, like, she doesn't necessarily trust that she can leave him because he is working on himself but it wasn't doing well and so it there is some angst going on they separate for a while. I really like the way that this is written and I I've read Sarah Kate before and it's usually really good uh this one I think the age gap especially was handled super well and that's all nice it, I like Sarah Kate too I've only read a couple of her books but I've been impressed with her. Okay, so my next one is Artemis 16 by Aaron R. Flynn. This one was a little better. So I know I update on every time an Artemis book comes up. If you want to hear more about the actual story, listen to, I don't know, a number of our bi-weeklies. <laughs> because we've talked about it a bunch of times. But this one was a little better. Uh, I know we've been like frustrated with the 
way that the plot has been going. Like, it's starting to feel a little drawn out and, or I guess a lot drawn out at this point. But this one was, I feel like we were moving somewhere. I still feel like we're not making huge progress, but this one definitely felt like we were getting back to it being a romance novel and it was more focused on her mates again. Um, which usually in the last few books, it hasn't been. It's been focused on everything else and it kind of feels like, I don't know. I don't want to spoil too much, but I like this one. It drew me in more than the last few have. And yeah, so this one was better than the last few books have been. So hopefully we will start getting somewhere again in this uh, series because it's been, it's been drawn out really long. I still... I still stand by the fact that I recommend Artemis University, but it, yeah, if you don't have patience, then it's probably not going to be for you. <laughs> so my next book is Fourth Point of Contact by A.J. Sherwood. It's part of the Legends of Lobe Den Heron, which I think is the world. So this is like a a world, um, a, a new world with, you know, like its own countries with like inspiration, I think taken from earth. It's also set uh, back in the day, you know, like when carriages and kings and queens were everywhere and all that. It's really good. So uh, also just fair warning, it's a third point of view book. Super good. However, I know that I don't usually read them. This one hooked me though. Like I read the prologue and I thought, Oh, maybe it's just the prologue. That's third point of view. And then it wasn't. It was the whole book, but I was hooked. So I had to finish it. It's two books. And I'm pretty sure that that's it. It ends neutrally. Okay. So one of the main male characters, Ren, he is a soldier from Shire. I think he was promoted to general. Shire is, uh, that's his home country. It has very, um, it gives off a, a Japanese kind of uh, feel like a Japanese culture feel or an Asian culture feel. I'm not entirely certain. So uh, Ren is openly homosexual and he lost his parents. His parents were against it. And his whole country kind of has like a prejudiced views. And so after the war, uh, he, I guess during the war, he met with a general from another country, Art. And he had become best friends. And Ren is like a very talkative, uh, sunnier personality. And and Armin, his best friend, doesn't talk at all. Like Ren has to like translate for him based on like looks and like you know, facial expressions and stuff like that. And it's super cute. So in the prologue there, I think the war had just ended and they were in Shire and uh, Ren was like worried about what to do because their country had been so torn from the war because they were on the border of one of, they were bordering one of the countries they were at war with. So they were one of the first like points of contact. And so they, their country was very war torn, very, you know, slower to rebuild. It wasn't a very uh, rich country. So Armin kind of, Armin asks him in his, you know, very five word sentence way, like, come with me to art, you know, and Ren agrees a little bit reluctantly. And he art is uh, a country that they don't they aren't prejudiced about the fact that he's homosexual, but they don't understand it at all. They're just like, oh, well, I don't get that. But cool, whatever. And so he goes and he ends up meeting the king and queen of that country and becoming the warden uh, to their castle 
which is like a huge deal because he's a foreigner who, you know, end up having this huge, that's a really high position to have. He's interacting personally with the king and queen every day and the children, the prince and princess. And he, they kind of adopt him and like make him part of their family. And uh, so Armin uh, is a general in that country as well. And so he gets deployed a few times and, he finally comes back from a deployment that um, ended up being longer than possible. And you kind of see his point of view and he is eager to get back. It's been, I think, five years at this point, but he wants to get back because he's decided he wants to propose to Ren. And during his Armin's deployment, Ren had gotten into like an affair with a man that uh, uh, was like a lord and part of the court. And this guy was a total tool. Like he was engaged and nobody knew he was engaged because it wasn't like a public thing. It was just kind of an understanding between families. And so he straight up tells her and he was like, oh yeah, apparently my fiance was upset that I, I was publicly kissing you. And, but it's cool. Cause I'll just have you as like my mistress or my, my mister, you know, once I'm married and Ren like beats his ass and it's, that's a big deal, dude, because when a lot of people from other countries and even in that country, when they first hear that Ren likes men, they see him as like more effeminate and he's a really strong warrior. He's uh, he's technically trained in martial arts and, you know, he's very strong. And so, you know, he enjoys kind of showing off that prowess a little bit when people underestimate him, too. So anyway, Armin comes home and he has this like plan, but Ren has decided that he's kind of just given up on like finding a life partner because he's like, you know, especially because most of the men he makes contact with are straight. And he was like, I'm done with straight men. And Armin's like, Oh no, like, you know, cause for most of their friendship, everything Ren thought that he was straight and he is, he's demi. He, I think he ends up being demisexual. Like it's never really uh, described because there, there wasn't terms like that in the book, but it said so in the blurb says Armin is the king of demisexuals. So he was only like, you know, he fell in love with Ren and didn't realize it until he heard that Ren had been, the, been in the arms of another man. And then he was like, oh yeah, no, that's not going to fly with me. I'm marrying this man and now. So he gets home and there's so much going on in the palace. There are like assassins. The prince is marrying um, a woman from another country to unite the two countries. And so like there's assassin attempts, assassination attempts going on. And there's like traps and just the whole place is falling apart. So Armin is frustrated. He's like, I just want 10 minutes alone with this man. Okay. And I'm not getting it. And it's like a whole crazy, there wasn't a whole lot of angst, but this was such, it was like, so good. The, the Royal, the court drama was just like, on it was just amazing and the relationship progression was really cute armin rushes ren right down the aisle like the second he gets his ring on his finger he's like we're going to get married now you are not allowed to say no and like the king and queen just i love how the royal family is like so so in love with ren and like they you know they took him into their fold and adopted him and they're like you better not take him away from us armin now that you've married him and they're just so happy i loved it it was really good there was um, a little bit of like homophobia and prejudicial, you know, things that they had to deal with. But overall, I really, really love this book. I think it would have benefited from being in first person or even a multi POV, but uh, it it's still, I, I really liked it. Nice. Well, I'm happy for you. Um, if I had the brain capacity to read third person, then I might, but 
I don't. So alas, I will stay forever in mystery. Okay, so my last one that I have is The Demon's Muse by Arne Hadley. So this one is so long. Like anybody that has read it will know this is a very long series. So Arne Hadley, her books are typically on the longer side. Like they're definitely usually really long. And this is a five book series. So it took me freaking forever to read it. <laughs> but it was really good. I know Courtney has told me in the past that she didn't like it. And so she didn't re- like finish reading it. But I liked it. It was not as good as like her Path of Temptation series, but um, I still did like it. So it starts off and the main female character is she goes to a gas station and there's an armed robbery and the gas station attendant, or I don't know if he's the owner or what, but he gets shot and she gets hit over the head and they're like both on the brink of death. And so death who we oh no i don't i think that's a spoiler who we find out who he is but anyways the grim reaper comes and he saves the gas station attendant and her and his only payment that he asks for is a kiss and so after that she like dreams of him and she paints him because she's an artist and like her whole world is revolved around death or who she thinks is death and when she was in the hospital she was told like it's just drug-induced hallucinations like the pain medication we had to give you sometimes can cause those side effects and so she spends like four years thinking that he's not real but she can't stop obsessing over him and she goes to college she finally saves up enough money to go to college and she sits next to this guy in one of her classes and he is just beautiful and like finally there's somebody who kind of catches her eye away from this obsession that she's had with death for so long and so they kind of get to know each other and they start to date and he's got roommates and one of his roommates like she really doesn't like and the other one she really does like and so that kind of causes issues for her and he's like i don't care like i'll share you with my friends but like you that has to be something you want you know like i'm not going to push you into that and so that becomes like a thing for a while where she like wants them but she doesn't want him to think that she doesn't love him you know and so I don't think this is a spoiler because it happens at least probably in the first book. So anyways, she finds out that Nick, this guy that sat next to her in class that she's now dating, is death. Like she, something else happens and she sees death again and then she sees Nick and she's like, wait, like you have the same mouth. Like she recognized him. And so now she knows that the supernatural world is real, that demons and angels are real. And so she finds out basically that these guys are, they're demons and she is a muse. So she's also part of the supernatural. And so her powers are basically of like inspiration, except she doesn't, she wasn't created to inspire humans. Like most muses are, she was created to inspire 
demons. And so the way that she works with Ether, which is like the, which is life, it's what they use for all their powers and everything. So the way that she works with it is like a sculptor, um, which is different than how anybody else works with it. And as you know, time goes on and the battle between good and evil goes on, she finds out some more things about herself and about her men. Also, um, another guy comes into it. I don't want to spoil it though, but she ends up making it possible for, for one of their legion mates to be saved and brought back. So she has a total of five guys. Um, another one comes into it later on who she meets when she goes eventually to hell, but it was really good. It was really thick plot. Like it's a long read, but like all of it was necessary. Like all of it tied in at some point or another, like anything that was going on in the beginning at, at some point throughout the rest of the story, like comes back around, you know? And so it, yeah, it was long. It took me a long time to read, but it was all necessary. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was just full of fluff. Like it was all just really heavy plot. Um, and so I really liked it. It was really spicy. It was a poly relationship. So all of the guys are with each other, except for two of them. They're not with each other, but they're with the rest of the guys. So yeah, it was really good. I really recommend it, but it's like a project read. It's like you would have to be able to like sit down and read it because it's not just going to be something that you fly through. It's like a whole thing. So that's why I only have <laughs> these few books on my to be read because it took me forever to get through it. Nice. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it another chance. I'm going to read Path of Temptation first. I'm having... What What was it that you didn't like about it? Like we can cut out with this. I... All right. I... I have two. I'm going to go through fast, fast go through two because I really want to talk yeah. about both and I can't do it next week. Go ahead. Okay. So okay. my next one is Nightmares Dance by Dakota Brown. And so basically this girl uh, grew up playing with these three boys as a kid and her parents thought that they were her imaginary friends. Yeah, like no one had ever met them and stuff like that. And so one uh, day she's around eight years old. She proposes to have like a wedding with them she had just gone on vacation uh, and uh, witnessed her aunt's wedding and so you know as any eight-year-old girl does she's like I want to marry my best friends and so that's pretty much the end of that right after slow or I think it was about right after that wedding thing happened the boys disappear and just never come back and so she kind of locks that down and I don't think she ever really thinks about them again like she doesn't have any real memories of them again after that and so after the boys disappear she ends up meeting this man named Durant Durant I don't know how to pronounce it but he ends up becoming her best friend she is an aerialist she works with silks and stuff like that and they travel uh, around the world. It's been 20 years now, by the way. So like they grew up together, they ended up becoming partners and lovers and, um, they do shows together with the, uh, silks and, you know, stuff like that. And so, uh, she's in love. He's really reluctant about like marriage and stuff like that, but she's like, we're 28, you know, we're not even settling down for another 10 years in our career and stuff like that anyway. And, uh, then they plan to take over, her parents' business, which they own like a, a camp that does like gymnastics and the silks and all of that kind of thing. Because I think her mother was like a gold 
medal gymnastics champion, Olympian, whatever. And I think her dad also did something of the like. And so anyway, so now she's 20 years old. And one night after her last show, her and Durant, they end up getting kidnapped by these weird, freaky looking uh, guys with what look like sci-fi ray guns and they get taken through a mirror to this whole other world and so she's like freaky she's like what the heck is going on and um eventually she gets taken in front of who they call king baz and she doesn't really she thinks that the person looks familiar but she doesn't really place him at all and so he is a psycho. He's an evil guy. So he's been stealing girls for like years. Like he steals um, gymnasts and aerialists and uh, girls who work in circuses. Like he's been stealing them because he's looking for the princess. And so she's like, well, I can't be this magical princess, like whoever you're looking for. Uh, and she ends up getting a chance to escape. She escapes, she goes into the woods, and um, Geron, when he helps her escape, he's like, you know, you have to find Nick. Find Prince Nick and tell him that, like, Baz didn't recognize you. And, like, you know, then get home. And so she's now in this whole new world. She finds this guy when she's running through the woods, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Nick. And she's like, okay, hi, what the hell is going on? And it turns out that they were in the nightmare realm. Or the dream realm and so there's the the nightmare kingdom and the dream kingdom and then nick takes her home but she wants to go rescue Durant because he is still trapped and it kind of turns out that nick is um actually he was one of the three princes and so was baz but like baz had a psychotic break about 10 years prior and just turned into a whole new person and um so nick is technically when they got married at eight it became binding. So she actually uh, became bound to them as the princess of nightmares. And so that means that she could like weave shadows and like uh, use her creativity and whatever to create things in the nightmare realm. And I loved this world building. I loved, I thought it was so creative, the dream realm and the nightmare realm. I'm going kind of quick. I'm not going to do a whole lot of explanation just because I want to do one more book, but it was so good. It's only book one and book two is not going to come out for a while. So I'll keep you guys updated. And my last one is CM Stunich is the author. It is the throwaway prince from uh, what it's in the Grey Wolf Empire series. You guys. So if anyone has read the Death by Daybreak uh, Motorcycle Club series by CM Stunich, you meet Grey Wolf. That's his name. He's the son of the uh, Dawn of the Grey Wolf Mafia, of the Wolf Mafia, Grey Wolf Mafia. And um, originally Grey was the second son, so he was like the throwaway. And he gets kidnapped by the motorcycle club that Gidget, the female main character in the Death by Daybreak series, she ends up breaking him out. They become really good, like, best friends. So now to start Grey's series, they're 25 now. And he's in love with Gidget. 
Like he's not going to do anything about it because like she, he offered to be part of her harem and she rejected him and has continued to for years. And she has like a bunch of kids now and she's like totally in love with her four husbands. But he kind of like, he's a ruthless guy. Okay. Like the female main character, Peyton, uh, Peyton Drake, she's part of the uh, Drake family, which is like a super high socialite, you know, like super rich family. And she's kind of like this dreamer she doesn't she she never really wants she never wants to get married she doesn't want to uh you know find a lover or anything like that she just wants to sit and she wants to read her books and she wants to read romance and be left alone literally yeah same right (laughs) uh anyway she ends up going to this like gala that her mother drags her to and her mom sucks but uh, she ends up going to this gala that her mom drags her to and her mom's like trying to get her to be married off. You know, he's been trying to, she's been trying to marry her off since she was like 14 and, you know, Peyton's not into it. So she goes and she sneaks off in the middle of this party and um, she, a, a man comes up to her and says, oh, I just wanted to get a look at my fiance. And she's like, oh, I can help you find him, I guess. Like, and he was like, you know, she's like, who is it? And he says, you. And she goes, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, and he ends up taking one of her books and throwing it in a pond because he sucks. And um, she goes inside. She escapes. She goes on a walk with another uh, man that she had kind of she's known for years and was kind of interested in. And all of a sudden, uh, the man that she had met by the pond uh, comes up and kidnaps both of them. And it's gray. And he kidnaps. And so then she is brought to Gray's house where he has her sister, one of her sisters, her oldest sister, and her father on their knees, and he kills them right in front of her. Like, he takes off her glasses, and she can't see almost at all without her glasses, but he kills them right in front of her face. And then he has the brother, her brother, on his knees, too, and she goes, I'll do anything. Like, I, I you said earlier I was your fiancé and you were going to marry me. I'll do that, and I'll do, you know, I'll pretend, you know, I'll be the best wife if you please, please, please spare him. And he's not doing this because he loves her. Like he has not a whole lot of feelings towards her one way or another. And uh, also uh, the brother is shady. I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but like no one should feel pity for that man. So he does end up sparing the brother's life. He gets her. He takes her. He also has a Mazik, which is the guy that she was with, he was he's also from a super rich family, but he's being held captive because his parents owe like $10 million. And it, he's a super cocky guy. And he's just like, oh, yeah, once all this unpleasantness is over, like, I'm just going home. Like, he is super, super convinced he's going home. And Peyton's grandfather, who's not really super affiliated with uh, her immediate family that all of that just happened to, her 92-year-old grandfather had taken in this boy when he was about four or five and he became an assassin and his name is rain and so rain um the very last like his dying wish uh the grandfather's dying wish to rain who was like a, a father to him he says you know please get my granddaughter safe so rain's like i got you and he goes and he tries he gets captured by gray and gray just decides to keep all three of them He's kind of just come to this conclusion because he's lonely. Like, he doesn't have any close, you know, family. The only friends he has is, like, the woman he's in love with who's happily married and did not want him. And then a nun 
which once again, you'll have to circle back to death by daybreak if you want the backstory there. But, um, you know, he's, he's lonely. And so he kind of starts feeling stirrings for Peyton, although he denies that it's anything sentimental. And, um, there's, there's a lot going on. Like there's a, and there's a lot of sex, like not just between this, it has male, male in it. And it is so, so good. That is all we have for today. And next week, I believe we're going to be doing a daddy episode. Yes. So on the daddy trope. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in next week, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.